So how is it possible? How do you do it? I mean, that's the question that we're left with last Sunday. I want to be somebody who walks in love. Because I'm a Christian, I want to be a person who is surrounded by love and showing love to others. I want to be a person who walks in light, not darkness. I don't want my life to be confusing and surrounding, not only to me, but to others. I want to walk in light. And I want to walk in purity. I don't want the filthiness of this world to destroy me and the people around me that I love. So I want to walk in love. I want to walk in light and I want to walk in purity. How? is the question that we're left with from last week. Because I try, and if you're like me, I try to walk in light, love, and purity, and I fail over and over and over. And so the Apostle Paul knew this over 2,000 years ago. And through the inspiration of God himself, he wrote a letter to Ephesus to explain how you as a Christian, and only as a believer in Christ, can have the power and the strength to actually Walk as a loving person, light person, (laughs) and as a person of purity. If you're ready to hear it today, give me an amen. Amen. I don't believe, give me an amen today. Amen, there it is, all right. Happy anniversary to you, church. We're excited about what we're gonna talk about today. So let's jump right into it. It's a sermon entitled, I'm Walking Here, How to Walk in Love, Purity, and Light, Ephesians chapter five, verses 15 through 21. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we come to you in prayer in great need of your presence and in great need of your understanding. I don't believe today, God, that we have a congregation of Christians who don't want what you want. I really, God, I know these people. I talk to them daily. I love them. Lord, I don't think we have a group of people who don't want to be light, who don't want to be love, who don't want to be pure. I think we have a group of Christians today, along with me, who sometimes don't know how. And in this passage, you clearly show us how to walk in wisdom and how to walk in the Spirit. Open our minds to these truths. Plant them deeply, not just in our mind, but in our heart. Holy Spirit of God, do today what I cannot do. Change us as we study your word. In the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, we pray, amen. Every June, my wife and I take our kids and we head out on a little family trip. It's happened for years. We started it when the kids were really young. When we had no money to even do it, we would go on little trips to where it was as cheap as possible to go. And all of these trips, since the very beginning to the very end, even the last one we went on, they all had one main thing in common, and that was walking. We began by going down to Southern California, walking around Orange County and seeing things like uh, the beach and going to Knott's Berry Farm. You've been to Knott's Berry Farm? You've been to Knott's Berry Farm? And Disneyland and Universal Studios. And then we went down one time to San Diego and walked around San Diego, went to the beach there and Legoland and saw Balboa Park. Anybody ever been to Balboa Park? Anybody? Beautiful park. And we saw the animals at the zoo. And, and we went every year to different places. And every year we would do relatively the same thing. You get out of your car and you walk around and you look at stuff and you eat whatever they have to eat wherever you're there. Now, every single place we've gone to, if you read the guidebooks and if you watch YouTube, they're gonna tell you to bring different things, but you're all supposed to bring something. Grab a backpack and put stuff in your backpack. They tell you to be hydrated, take water with you. 
You don't know, they'll say, this part of the country, where you're at, this part of the country, you need to stay hydrated, bring water. I found out that every part of the country, you need to stay hydrated to bring water. You got to bring granola, got to bring snacks, got to bring energy bars. You don't want to go hungry between lunch and dinner. You understand? You got to have not just first breakfast, but like the hobbits say, second breakfast as well. You got to carry this with you. You got to carry spray. Everywhere you go, you got to have spray. In Tennessee, it's bug spray. In Montana, it's bear spray. In New Jersey, it's people spray. You got to keep them away. I, I don't know. Like if you're from New Jersey, I apologize. No, like seriously, I'm sorry. I feel badly for you. I, and you're carrying all this stuff. There's like one guy at the back. He's just so mad about that joke. Um, <laughs> so what do you actually need to carry? If life is a journey, and on this journey we are to walk in love, walk in purity, if we're to walk in light, what do we bring along this journey? Two things, two things, two things, all right? Here's all you need to bring if you're a follower of Christ. You need to bring the Holy Scriptures, and you need to bring the Holy Spirit. The Holy Scriptures and the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. Holy Scriptures, Holy Spirit. Say it again. Holy Scriptures, Holy Spirit. Say it one more time. Holy Scriptures, Holy Spirit. Here's what will happen. If you have the Holy Scriptures, you'll be able to walk in wisdom. And if you have the Holy Spirit, you'll be able to walk in the Spirit rather than in the flesh. Let's talk about both of those things because that's what Paul is trying to express in verses 15 through 21 of our text, Ephesians chapter number five. We see two things that we're to walk in, the scriptures and in the spirit, walk in wisdom and in the spirit. Number one, we see this in verses 15 and 16. If you walk in wisdom, these things will happen. We divide the sermon very simply today. If you walk in wisdom, these things will happen. The second part of the sermon is if you walk in the spirit, these things will happen. If you follow the scripture, these things will happen. If you follow the spirit, these things will happen. Number one, if you walk in wisdom, verses 15 and 16, this is what will happen. See then that you walk circumspectly is the word in my translation. What does that mean? Well, it's related to the Latin word meaning to look around, to walk, knowing where you're going. You ever see a child walk around and they're not paying attention and they're tripping over things? You say, not a child, pastor, me. Yes, that happens to all of us. Walking circumspectly means that you're paying attention. You're walking in knowledge. You're walking in understanding. You're not just wandering through life. You know where you're going in life. You know where you're at. You know where you are. You know where you came from. You know who you are in this journey to walk circumspectly. The reason why so many people are lost in this world is because they don't know who they are. They don't know where they're going. They don't know where they came from. They're not walking in wisdom. In wisdom. And the reason they're not walking in wisdom is because they assume there's no guidebook to life. There's nobody to tell them where to go, how to go, when to go, why to go, and what to bring with you, except that they, did, they didn't know that the Word of God is just that guidebook. So he goes on, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Don't walk around this world like a fool. I, one of the things that I love about the Bible is it is not politically correct. It really doesn't care if, you, you're, if it offends you. The Bible is not insecure like many dudes, right? The Bible is not like, oh, well, what do you think about me? The Bible doesn't care if you like, don't like the leather about it. The Bible doesn't care if you don't like the color of its pages. The Bible's just like, here's the truth. Some people are fools and some people are not fools. So you can be like, I'm offended because I'm a fool. I get that. 
but here's what you've got to do. You can either be offended with that or you can say, I don't want to be a fool. What does this ancient scripture from God tell me about not being a fool? So he goes on, he goes on, look what it says. He says in verse 15, he says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. That is being aware of not only where you're at, but when you are and what's going on in your life because this world is an evil place. Verse 17, therefore do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. I was at a baseball game this last family trip with my kids in Minneapolis. We went to Minneapolis. Um, I still don't know why, but they have a giant mall there called the Mall. Anybody been in the Mall of America? Walked around that entire mall. Then we went the next day and went over to the baseball game. We went to see the Minnesota Twins. Any Twins fans here? One person. That makes sense, actually. Uh, <laughs> so we went... And we like to see the different baseball parks. I love, the, uh, I love the stadiums. My son loves baseball. We're having a great time. I'm sitting out in left field and about 10 rows back. And all of a sudden, the, the, the left fielder from the other team started getting heckled. They started yelling at him. You know, it's fun to heckle these people because they're not actual human beings, right? We like to make fun of people that we don't feel are real human beings. Uh, at least that's what the people around me were doing. They were just heckling this person. And uh, they're yelling at him. And come to find out, I didn't know this. You know, I don't follow baseball that closely. I, I didn't know this, but this guy was a former Minnesota twin who had come back to play on the other team, which is, you know, that's an awkward situation. You know, this used to be my place. This used to be my team. And now I'm playing against you. And so they start yelling at him. And, but what was interesting was not necessarily um, that they were yelling at him. What was interesting is the creativity in which they used their, their heckling. They were very creative. I mean, they had the normal, you stink, and you other things. It's all sorts of, they're yelling things. But these are some of the things that I wrote down. I heard people yell at him. Uh, somebody yelled out to him, uh, baseball hates you. Like, I don't even know that that's possible. <laughs> but, <laughs> that's a great heckle. That is good. Baseball hates you. Uh, you're never getting into the Hall of Fame. Ow. Ouch. Um, you're a disgrace to your family. I don't know that they would know that. Like, how would they know that? Unless it was his mom, which makes this really a sad sermon. <laughs> you know, if that was his mom. This is good. Cinderella gets to the ball faster than you do. That's good. I'm like, that's creative. That's going in a sermon. It's going in a sermon. <laughs> uh, which is really weird, because could you imagine if somebody started heckling you at your job? Like, could you imagine somebody came and they're like, you're, you, you stink at being a valet. Like, that doesn't, you know, normally happen. Sometimes you're like, I'm a barista. It happens every single day to me. But this kind of thing is, is terrible, terrible, terrible. Now, how do you remain focused? How do you keep doing your job when that kind of voice comes into your mind? Not a lot of us are being, you know, some of us in the healthcare industry, nobody's like, healthcare hates you, right? You're trying to just do your job. But you do have voices coming into you, don't you? Every single day, you have the devil whisper into your ear, you're gonna fail today again. Every single day, you have voices that haunt you from the past, those who used to be loved ones who now hate you and they're gonna call you out, you're gonna lose, you're gonna fail, you're not gonna go forward, you can't do this, you can't do this. And some of you have 
even rephrased some of those negative statements in your own mind, and you have put your own voice into that, and you tell yourself, you're a loser, you can't do this, you're not going, you're lost, you don't know what you're... This is all very, very dangerous for us. And what we must do with these voices is we must continue to walk in wisdom and walk, in, walk circumspectly. Okay, then how do I do that, Pastor, if I've got the words of the world continually coming after me? Here's how, what you do. You ignore the words of the world and you focus on the words of God. You get in the Scripture you study the Word of God. And now in this passage, we're gonna break it down, verses 15 and 16, and, and learn this. This is what we're about to learn. You're about to learn what happens naturally to the individual who walks in wisdom, who studies the Scripture. This is what happens. Number one, you'll set a course. Number two, you'll pursue opportunity. Number three, you will think clearly. And then number four, you will understand God's plan for you. I'll walk through them quickly. Look at what it says. You'll set a course. It says, see that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. Walking circumspectly, setting a course for your life. Have you looked around you? Do you know where you are in life? Do you know where you're going? Do you know where you came from? Have you set a course, a direction, a destiny? Or are you, I'm speaking now to those in there. Listen, I'm speaking now to some teenagers in the room. You have been raised in a society that tells you, you're just a teenager. I mean, you'll figure those things out in your 20s. And then you turn your 20s and you're told, well, you're still discovering yourself. You're still trying to figure out this whole thing. And now you're 32 and you still have no direction in your life and you've been lied to. Listen, you've been lied to. It is your responsibility to be circumspect, look around with wisdom and figure out where you're going. Set a course, set a direction, set a goal, set a focus. This is what we're talking about. This is the way Heather is. Boy, I didn't know this. I didn't know this. Heather read a book by some kind of, um, some kind of a retired CIA person. Heather weird, reads some, you know this, you're her friend, reads some weird stuff. And then she tells me about this stuff that she reads. And I'm like, I don't want to know about all the books you're reading and what you learned, I just don't care. And she said, Josh, every Sunday for two decades, I have to sit as you read a book and tell me what you think. <laughs> I'm like, that's a good point, that's a good point. So she tells me all this weird stuff about trees and being, so anyway, this one thing that she read, it was written by some ex-CIA agent and he talked about being self-aware whenever you're in uh, an unfamiliar place. So, you know, you go into the grocery store, you need to be, you know, some of you are trained in the military, you know, civil service, police officer, that kind of stuff. You already know this stuff, you've been trained. Well, Heather's also been trained because she read a book. And um, she, she, it's funny watching her after she read this book because she'll be like looking around, you know what I mean? It's like keeping an eye on people. She's like, look at that guy, look at that guy. I'm like, it's a guy. Like we're in, we're, <laughs> she'll be, we'll be sitting on a, uh, on a train at an airport going from one terminal to the next She'll be sitting there with her bag looking around like this. And I'm like, what are you doing? And she's like, I'm just keeping an eye on everybody. <laughs> and I'm like, we're in an airport. And she's like, but it's in Chicago. And I'm like, fair, that's fair. That's so uh, you never know what might happen. You never know. Now people from Chicago don't like me. Here's what happens when you walk in wisdom. Here's what happens when you walk in wisdom. You walk in wisdom and you begin to set a course for your life and you, allow, you begin to tell your life what's gonna happen rather than your life telling you what's gonna happen. 
First we see you set a course in life. This is what Paul is saying. Then number two, you'll pursue opportunity in your life. You'll fight for, you'll pursue it. You'll grab a hold of it. When opportunity knocks, you'll begin to answer. Look at what he says. Not as fools walk, but as wise, redeeming the time because the days are evil. Life is short. Have you realized that yet? If you're 35 years old, do you understand you're halfway to 70? The question at this point is this. Are you focused and are you paying attention and are you reaching for opportunity when it comes? Are you taking advantage of every opportunity you can in these evil days? You say, okay, Pastor Josh, how do I know when to do what I'm supposed to do? How do I know what I'm supposed to do? I'm having this conversation with a lot of the young men that I mentor. When do I buy a house? How do I buy a house? I mean, look at the market right now. When is the right time? And that's stressful. How do I know I'm supposed to buy now or later or when? How do I know if I'm supposed to take that job or this job? How am I supposed to know when I'm supposed to be done with a job and start that business? How am I supposed to know whenever I'm supposed to marry that person or have a child? How am I supposed to know if I'm supposed to move to this city or that city? How am I supposed to know if I invest in this stock or that stock? Or how do I know if I'm supposed to take this trip or that trip? I don't know, Pastor. And the answer is this. You must walk in wisdom. And you might be saying to yourself, that sounds great. Give me wisdom. To which I'll say, here it is. Here it is. This is your inheritance as a Christian. It is your gift. It is far more valuable than any kind of inheritance anyone could ever leave you. It has been fought for and it has been bled for and it has been given to you through the generations by those who have copied it, inscribed it, and then given it and printed it for you. Yet what we do is we pick up the remote instead of picking up the word and we wonder why we're wandering in life. We wonder why we're lost in life. God's given you this. Use it. Wisdom is here. Wisdom. All of these things can be found here. The Bible tells us if we walk in wisdom, according to this passage, this is what will happen. You'll naturally set a course for your life. You'll pursue opportunity in your life, and you'll start thinking with clarity in your life. You'll start, look at the next point on the screen. You'll start thinking in clarity, with clarity, instead of being confused. There are a lot of confused people in this world. Can I just stop and say this? Sometimes we get confused about setbacks. Some of you right now are facing a major setback. You've been on that course, you've been focused, you know where you're going, you know what you're doing, and all of a sudden, bam, something hits you out of nowhere, and you feel like, oh, this is a setback. Listen, not every setback is a tragedy. Think with wisdom. And not every tragedy is a death blow to what God is doing in your life. You have to think with more clarity. Focus, focus, focus. What do I mean focus? Like that baseball player getting heckled or, or like Mark. Mark, um, Mark is a man who comes to our church. He's a, uh, he's a professional um, speaker a corporate speaker. So within the industry here, you know, you have a lot of conventions that come and they hire speakers that will come and give speeches and entertain and this kind of thing. Mark does that. He's a member of the church and I, I, he said, hey, pastor, you want to go to one of my speeches? I'm sure I'll go to one of your speeches. So I sat in the back on Thursday and as I sat in the back, I, I watched him get up and he had the music roll in and he comes up and he's big energy and doing all the things that he's doing. Really, really great speech. Actually, it was really a lot of fun. I listen, I'm learning, I'm taking notes. It's a fascinating moment. And as I'm sitting there, I noticed about 20 minutes into his speech, everybody was just glued glued in, and all of a sudden, there was a guy that was sitting right back around here, and his phone began to ring, and I'm not talking about one of these, you know, diddly, diddly, it was like some kind of a loud, 
wah, wah, type of a thing. And, uh, and I'm like, turn off your phone. And he just sat there kind of like, hey. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, that's not an, it's not, a, it's not like it's an unusual, it's an unusual sound. That's you, dude. Like everybody knows it's you. Stop pretending it's not you. I'm losing my mind. So I walked over to him and I said, hey. No, I didn't. I just, I'm like, well, I didn't do that. <laughs> I just watched it. I'm like, okay, how's this going to unfold? So this is what he does. He, he finally realized, he's like, oh, and he says out loud, not like, oh, I'm sorry, that's me. I'm going to go take the phone call. Like, that's what you're supposed to do. <laughs> I'm going to go take this call now. I apologize. This is what he, he said, out loud. He said, oh, that's me, about like that. And then he opened it. He said, hey, no, now's a good time. And he stood up, and I'm like, okay, thank God, he's going to leave. And he stood up, and instead of walking out the back door, he walked over to the side of the wall where there could be a better echo, I guess. <laughs> and he started having the full business conversation. He's making a deal over there the whole time. And everybody, everybody could hear him, but everybody in this section especially was like, dude, stop it. Just kept talking. But what I watched was the speaker. And the entire time, it was as if he did not even notice. Did he notice? Of course he noticed. Everybody noticed. But he was so focused on what God was having him do, he couldn't hear the voices that were distracting everybody else. Let me ask you a question. Are you so focused on what God is calling you to do that you don't hear the voices of distraction? I'm talking about the junior who's about to become a senior in high school, and you need to be focused like never before, yet you're going to be distracted by YouTube, and you're going to be distracted by friends who could care less about their future. You're going to be distracted by family drama, and you know full well that your senior year matters. I'm talking about the individual who knows that you're being called to do some very important things in the next weeks or months or years, and all of a sudden you begin to have the voices of doubt or the voices of the devil or the voices of others begin to pull you away. What are we learning here? We're learning here, redeem the time because the days are evil, therefore do not be unwise, but have understanding, wisdom, and walk in that wisdom. If you're walking in wisdom, this is what'll happen, you'll set a course you'll pursue opportunity, you'll think with clarity, and number four, you'll understand God's plan for you. God has a plan for you. L listen to me, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, God has a very intentional plan for you and he has shaped you perfectly for the mission that he's calling you to. That's what he says in the end of the verse. He says, therefore, do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Suddenly, you begin to trust that God has a plan. I, I thank God. It was amazing. This last month, I got a phone call from one of our longtime members. Amazing man. He serves in our church. I hate to point him out, but you wouldn't see him anyway. He serves back every single Sunday in our, booth, in our sound booth. And he called me, and he said, he said, Pastor, I said, I got some bad news. I'm like, what's going on? He said, I came back vacation, from vacation, and first thing they told me was, you know, the supervisor wants to see you. So he got called up, and he's like, hey, what's up? 15 years with the company, 15 years. Have a seat. Hey, a um, lot of stuff going on here. We're going to have to let you go. Here's your severance. He said, what? Out of the blue, out of the blue. I'm like, yeah, well, what was going on? He's like, the, just out of the blue. And I'm like, bro, I'm so sorry. 
I mean, this is a good man, a good friend. This is the kind of guy you would think, what, what, what problem? No problem. Just done with you. The corporation's done with you, so goodbye. So he's like, all right. So I said, man, how you doing? He said, it's not easy, but this is what he said, and I'll never forget. He, he said to me, I don't know if it's over the phone or text or something. He said, hey, pastor, don't worry about it. All this tells me is that God has something better for me. Now, some of you are like a little cynical and like, ah, oh, that's not Christian talk to me. No, no, no. When you're actually in the middle of it and you're able to say that, that is faith. I talked to him just today. I said, I said, um, I said so, you know, what's going on? And he told me, he said, well, he said, you know that interview I had? He texted me this a couple days ago. He said, you know that interview I had? I'm like, yeah. He said, he said, well, I got it. I'm like, what happened? He said, well, number one, it's exactly the same salary. Number two, I don't have to, it, the corporation was California, not here. He said, my tax rate is very different. How many of you understand that? Can I get an amen right there? <laughs> and he said, so in reality, I've gotten quite a raise from this. He said, he said, pastor, this ended up turning out to be much better than my old job. And I don't even know if he knows, but he actually stated, he prophesied. By faith, he told the future. By faith, he said, God's got something better for me. That's walking in wisdom. You say, how did he know God has something better for him? Because he's a student of this book. And the Bible says in Romans, all things work together for good to them who love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. The point being this, no matter what he faced or no matter what you face, if you have a guidebook in life, if you've got the holy scripture in life, it can help you walk in wisdom. Yet we neglect the book of wisdom for the books of this world, and this world is far, far from wise. So first and foremost, this is what I want you to pack on your journey. If you're going to walk, walk this way. Do you understand what I'm saying? What I'm saying today is walk with the scripture and you'll walk in wisdom. Do you understand? Number two, number two, walk in wisdom with the scripture. Number two, what if I'm walking in the spirit? Well, if you're walking in the spirit, I almost died. That would have been... <laughs> If I died, you know, that would have been the most memorable Sunday of ever, ever, you know. I was at this church one time. The guy tripped and he died. It was really weird. All right. I was walking in the spirit. And the Lord just, be like, Josh was walking with the Lord and then he was not because God took him. It's an Old Testament joke. Very funny. Uh, nothing like a good Enoch joke. Anyway, all right. <laughs> if you're walking in the spirit, what will happen? Well, let's go ahead and look at the text. The Bible goes back, and look what it says in verse 18 through 21. It says, and do not be drunk with wine. Can I get an amen, Las Vegas? <laughs> you're like, <laughs> uh, In which is dissipation, which means uh, excess. It means uh, to drink so much that you get drunk. That is, don't get drunk with wine. That's what it's saying. By the way, let's just stop here, Christian. I know a lot of you Bible students, this passage is not about alcohol, okay? A lot of Christians go to this passage and they're like, see, the Bible says it's about alcohol. Okay, yes, the Bible is talking here, but the alcohol is not the point of the passage. It's an illustration of the point. Look at what he says. Let's walk through it so you understand. Do not be drunk with alcohol, uh, but be filled with the Spirit. It's a comparison contrast. He said some people allow the spirits of alcohol to get inside of them. It fills them up, and now they're controlled by alcohol. They do things they would not normally do. They say things they would not normally say. They act in ways they would never act. I've, I've had those counseling sessions many times. People will come to me, and they'll be like, Pastor, 
pastor, this is what happened. I'll be like, what happened? Well, it all began with getting, you know, a little, I had a little alcohol. It happens all the time. In fact, I want to know, how many of you, no, don't raise your, I'm kidding, I'm kidding. I'm just joking. <laughs> like, hey, it's right now. Okay, now this is not a good idea. All right. Don't be controlled by being filled with alcohol where outside sources are controlling you. Your mind and your heart are not controlling you. Instead, be self-controlled. Is that what it says? No. It doesn't say don't be controlled by alcohol, be self-controlled. It says don't be controlled by alcohol, but instead be filled with the Spirit of God and let Him control you. That's what it says. So this is what happens. If you're filled with alcohol, you're saying things that you would not say, you're doing things you would not do, you're making mistakes you would not make. If instead you are filled with the Holy Spirit of God, you're gonna say things that you would not normally say, do things you would not normally do, act a certain way that you would not normally act, and treat people in ways you would never treat them. See, the reason you say things that you say that get you in trouble, the, things, the reason you do things that you do that get you in trouble, the reason you act the way you act that gets you in trouble is because you're filled with you. And you and I need to empty ourselves of us and be filled with the Spirit. See, this way, the world is filled with a bunch of Christians that look like Jesus <laughs> and is filled with the Spirit of Jesus rather than the Spirit of Adam, the see, and Eve who make mistakes. This is what it says. Look, goes on. It says, and do not be drunk with wine, whereas there's too much and dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. In... Now, what happens? What happens to the person who is filled with the Spirit? Here's what happens to them. They begin to speak to themselves and one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. They also, second thing, they give thanks always for all things to God and the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thirdly, submitting to one another in the fear of God. These are the three natural results of being filled with the Spirit. The first one is that you'll start having a song in your heart. The second one is you'll start having a spirit of thanksgiving. And the third one is you'll have a submissive attitude toward others. Let's talk about all three of these. These are the natural results of being filled with the Spirit. Number one, we see you'll have a song in your heart. My sister, Charity, she, uh, growing up with Charity, she was one of these little girls who was always singing, always singing, just singing constantly. In the car she was singing, in the, in the bathroom she was singing, in the shower she was singing, in the kitchen she was singing, the outside she was singing, just singing, and she was always by me, singing. And it was driving me nuts. I mean, insane. It just sh How many of you know little girls constantly singing? And you're like, that's really sweet. Shut it. I was a little boy. I was like, shut your mouth. Shut it. Shut, 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 stop. My mother would look at me. And my mother would say, Joshua, she has a song in her heart. <laughs> to which I would reply, then she needs to keep it there. And that's when corporal punishment would take place in our. <laughs> Some of you knew it was like, oh! oh. Why is it that so many times those who have a song in their heart are irritating to those who don't? There's some of you, it just drives you nuts. Nobody can be that happy. I don't know what the person's problem is. Always smile and smile. Like, yeah, everybody wants to be like you, Jack. Look, you want to know what a natural result of somebody who is not in the spirit? You want to know a Christian who is not walking in the spirit? They're angry. They're bitter. They're grumbling. They're complaining. 
They're upset. There's no song on their lips. There's a complaint on their lips. But when filled with the Spirit, you just want to sing to God. I want to talk to you men. I'm going to point you out for a moment. I love you. Here you go. Fellas, here's the problem. Some of you men have a cultural view of masculinity that does not, ri- ri- lie upon, uh, does not line up with a biblical view of masculinity. It, and it plays out specifically in your song. You don't sing. You don't sing to God. You don't sing to God when you come to church. You kind of sit there and you kind of just, you know, you do your thing. You don't sing to God in your car because all you listen to is talk radio or sports radio. You don't sing to God at home because you can't turn off the television for a moment. And if you do turn on music, it's something to remind you about when you used to be cool back in the 80s or 90s. And that's it. That's it. That's all you got. There's no song in your heart to God. And, it's, and one of the reasons is, I think in our society, I'm trying to help you and myself, is that we view that having a song in our heart is not masculine. So the songs are for the, the women. And all that's demonstrating is your complete and utter insecurity as a dude. That's not strength, that's weakness. It's what it is. David, let's talk about biblical masculinity. David, you remember that little boy who killed a giant, cut off his head and told everybody, God did this. Like that guy's a dude. Study his story. He was the warrior of Israel. There are stories I will not tell in this moment that prove how strong of a warrior he was. He was way more of a man than anybody in this room. He was also the poet of Israel. He was the little boy and the man who sat under a tree and wrote poetry to Jesus, who wrote poetry to God. And then he led the people in worship to God. You want to be a man? Sing to the God who saved you. Sing to him, friend. So I just don't know. I just, it's kind of awkward for me. Well, here's what, here's what you need to do. Practical advice. Build a bridge and get over your insecurity. And come into church and raise your hands to God and sing to the God who saved your wretched, rotten soul. Amen. And stop judging people who have a heart, a heart for God. Right. Now look, now some of you might be a little offended. I don't think that's most of you. I really don't. If you're offended, I'm sorry. If you're not offended, you're just like, it's really hard for me. Okay, then, then again, I'm sorry it's hard for you. Start trying. Amen. Raise a hand to God, sing to him, praise Jesus' name. This is what happens naturally as a result of being spirit-filled. I think a lot of you are spirit-filled. I think a lot of you walk in the spirit, but your flesh resists the spirit when it's time to sing. Don't resist. Say, okay, God, here we go. I don't care what my kids see. I don't care what my wife sees. I don't care what other people hear. Jesus, that's what you need. Amen? Don't, don't resist them. Number two, number two, a thankful spirit. You'll have a thankful spirit. Do you see what it says? Singing to yourselves in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs, singing to make melody in your heart to the Lord. And then what does it say after? Do you see what it says? Giving thanks always. You're gonna have a spirit that thanks God for everything rather than grumbles about everything. I gotta be quick here. You can mark it down if you're coming across a quote unquote Christian and all they can ever do is complain, they are not walking in the spirit. The Bible says filled with the spirit, you'll have a thanksgiving in your heart for all things. So it starts with being thankful for the things that you like. 
How many of you have things in your life that you like? Raise your hand. You have things in your life? How many of you have things in your life you don't like? Raise your hand. Okay, so we're supposed to thank God for all these things. The first things, let's start with the good things, right? God, thank you for the house. Now I want to talk to you ladies. Listen to me. Maybe we ought to get on our knees sometimes, not sometimes, every day and say, God, thank you for the house you gave me. God, I'm sorry for only nitpicking and pointing out everything in my house that I'm not okay with. Even though I don't say it out loud, God, you hear my grumbling and complaining. I'm sorry, God, you gave me this house and it's more than I deserve. God, thank you for the car I have. God, thank you for my spouse. I can't do that. You do it, do it. I said, thank God for the good and the bad things. Amen? You know what I'm talking about? (laughs) Thank God for your children. All of them, all of them, even that one. Thank God. (laughs) Some of you are like, what does he mean? Some of you know what I mean. They're like, I know, that was, that was for me, preacher, that was for me. Thank God. You begin, listen, you begin by thanking God for the good things, and then you mature, and you begin eventually even thanking God for the bad things. That's advanced Christianity. That's the next level stuff. God, not only thank you for my house and my car and my, my family, thank you that I'm going through this right now. Do I want to go through this? No, and I'd be good if you stopped it, but thank you. Because, you know, thankfulness and trials and tribulation and I'm becoming a better person in character, blah, 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 thanks, you know. Can you do that? Okay, so let me just stop and say this. Let me just stop and say this, okay. The way to do that is to make it a practice in your life every day. Say, man, I don't, I just don't become thankful when bad things happen. And I don't even thankful, I don't know that I'm really thankful for the good things sometimes. Okay, practically, the way you become good at something is you put it part of your daily schedule. The reason why people get really good at golf is because they golf a lot. The reason why some kids are really good at video games is because they play video games a lot. If you want to be really good at Thanksgiving, even when you're not feeling thankful about anything, get on your knees, sister, get on your knees, brother, and open up a prayer list and say, God, thank you for my house, thank you for my car, thank you for my wife, thank you for my kids, thank you. Also, thank you for the things that are bad, and thank you for that situation I'm in, and thank you that this is going on, I know I'm becoming better. Thank God every day, and as you practice every day, what'll happen is something will hate you in life, and suddenly your natural response will be like, oh, God, I hate this. Thank you for that. <laughs> and the spirit of thanksgiving will come out because you're walking in the spirit. Okay? The natural results of walking in the spirit is you'll have a song in your heart, you'll have a spirit of thanksgiving, and lastly, you'll have a submissive attitude. Submissive attitude. And all Americans said, amen. Say, let's try that again. I'll have a submissive attitude, and all Americans said, Americans don't like this point. We don't like it. We don't want to be submissive. I'm not submissive! I'm a rebel at heart. Nobody tells me what to do. So the Bible says one of the natural things that will happen if you are filled with the Spirit, Christian, is to be... Is that guy from that speech here? Is that what's going on? The guy's like, all right, here we go. Here it is. Look what it says in the text. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Let me explain submission and we'll be done. Listen. Submissive does not mean docile. Listen to me, dude. Some of you men here. It doesn't mean docile. It doesn't mean you're a rug to be trampled on. It doesn't mean just tell me what to do and I'll just do whatever you tell me to do. I just want to be like Jesus. 
doesn't mean you're weak. It doesn't mean you're passive. Here's what submission means, all right? Listen, listen. Submission, which is to all Christians in this verse, all Christians are to be submissive. This is what it means. It means to be selfless. It means stop thinking about your stinking self before you think about everybody else. It means to be sacrificial. It means, where do you want to go to dinner? I don't care. No, no, really, where do you want to go? Even though you deeply care. (laughs) Submissive means to be preferring the other person above yourself. How can I help you succeed? What can I do to make you look good? What can I do to support you? What can I do to help you? How can I serve you? If we are filled with the Spirit, naturally what will happen is you will have a song in your heart, you're thankful for things, the good and the bad, and you'll start sacrificing your wants for other people's wants, and in doing so, you'll demonstrate Jesus to others. So, what do you pack? Here's what you pack. If you're gonna go on this walk, the Holy Scripture and the Holy Spirit. Say it with me. Holy Scripture, Holy Spirit. You say, man, I'm glad I got this. Yeah, you do. You got a, you got a Bible? If you do, say amen. amen. You're like, I got 15 on my phone. Beat that. All right. You got a Bible? How many of you have the Holy Spirit? If you've been, if you've been saved, you have the Holy Spirit from the moment of your salvation. How many of you have the Holy Spirit? Say amen. amen. All right. Okay. Okay. Holy Spirit. Now, some of you, let's stop and I'll end with this. I'll end with this. How do I say it? Okay. Let's suppose somebody bought a car. (laughs) They buy this car. And uh, it just doesn't work really well. In fact, they have it towed to the church. They have it towed to the church, and they come in, they tell Melanie, my executive assistant, they're like, hey, where's pastor? My car doesn't work. Maybe he could pray over it. And so Melanie calls me out, and trust me, you're like, that's weird. I've done weirder things as a pastor take me out, and I'm like, what's wrong with your car? And they're like, I don't know, it's not working. I'm like, I'm not a mechanic, and like, you're the, I'm the last person you should call. <laughs> like, no, pastor, I just want you to take a look at it. I'm like, all right. So I look at it, I'm like, it's a car. They open the hood, I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's the engine. <laughs> open the car door, sit down. I'm like, oh, there's your problem. What's that, what is it, pastor? I'm like, you're out of gas. And they're like, yeah, no, it's fine because when I bought the car, they had it already filled up with gas. I'd look at you and I'd be like, oh, okay. And I would think, but I want to say it because I'm a nice guy. We're dealing with a fool here. You know? I won't say it. I'm not going to say it, you know? You say, you think bad things? Yes, just like you. I'd be like, okay. Uh, So here's the deal. You don't just fill up a car once. You have to keep filling it up. You know that place you get Slurpees? They also have fuel. And what you do is you go take the field and you put it in the thing, and that's why those people are lined up. Ah! And I get it. You got to keep filling it up. Yeah, you got to keep filling it up. Why? Because as you're going down the road, things begin to just, I mean, it goes away. It's not an accident that the Apostle Paul tells the Ephesians, be filled. Keep filling yourselves. 
Keep filling yourselves every week, every day with the Word of God, the Holy Scripture. Keep filling yourself every day with the Holy Spirit. Every day, every day, every day. I get on my knees and I pray and I spend time in the Word of God. You can too. I don't do that because I'm a pastor. I do that because I'm a Christian and I'm empty. I'm empty. You get, I, I'm empty. I'd be even more empty if I had to work where you work. I'd need even more fuel, not less. And I got to fill myself with the Holy Scripture and fill myself with the Holy Spirit in prayer. And then we walk around and now we're able to be these things, walking in wisdom, walking in the Spirit. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the word. I pray that we would follow it and obey it today. Lord, we desire to walk in wisdom. We desire to walk in love and light and purity. I pray that we would do just that as we obey this Scripture here. Fill us, not just today, but help us to have the wisdom and the fortitude to get up tomorrow and fill ourselves with Scripture and Spirit. In Jesus' holy name we pray, amen.